Hello world, thanks for tuning in to Colorado Backcountry Conversations. Where we talk about all things nomad life and interview fellow adventurers who live their passions in the wilds of nature. To get a deeper look into what I have going on, check out my website at coloradobackcountryadventures.com. And for a glimpse into my mind, pop over to normal, the number two, nomad.com. Okay, yeah. so today we're talking about food. Yep. We're talking about health and, and, and food. And, and cooking. And cooking. How we make our food, <clears throat> what we eat, why we eat what we eat, and how we power our bodies in the backcountry. Yep, because it's different than living the kind of traditional setup for sure so yeah my diet has changed astronomically since mine has too all right so to begin do you want to start with like why we eat what we eat yeah i think it's important to to recognize just the differences in lifestyle out here and um, one thing i've noticed is that just your energy consumption you go through things or you go through energy so much faster than you do in a traditional setup because things take longer and typically more work to mm-hmm. accomplish tasks and so i've found that if i'm not real diligent about eating a a, a, a purposeful diet you know it's it'd be great to have days where you just sit around and eat pizza all day and chicken wings and drink beer but the fact is, is if you do that in the backcountry you'll pay for it for like two or three days straight afterwards because you'll have fallen fo- so far behind with your energy levels yeah i think you pay for it too in normal life but just don't like you don't feel it as much right because of, because like you can sit on the couch throughout the day and like the house right. will take care of itself especially like in the winter time yeah and you just turn on the heater and it just keeps going but right. out here it's like you're feeding the wood stove you're 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 managing your environment to make it comfortable, and that requires effort. For so, sure. so I think it in the, in those instances, you you notice when you feel. I think part of it too is now I'm uh, I notice my body and how I feel a lot more. Yeah. Because I'm not so busy with other things. Mm-hmm. So if something's hurting, I can like diagnose it right then. So I'm like more tuned in than I've ever been mm-hmm. to how I feel and how different foods and things make me feel. Yeah, and I. I think too that living like this, it brings up injuries that you normally wouldn't have in a house. Like, like two winters ago when I was chopping wood all winter, I made the foolish proclamation that I would hand chop all my wood and not chainsaw anything. Well, that's a that's ridiculous. Like, don't ever do that. I always use a chainsaw. I got tennis elbow and golfer's elbow in both elbows, and by the end of, <laughs> by the end of the winter, like I could hardly even lift anything with my hands. I'm like, what am I doing? So it's like, you know, um, had I been more in tune with like anti-inflammation foods at that time maybe i could have combated it better sure you know so um yeah so kind of how elsa and i think of it is as food is fuel so in beyond it being fuel there is the nutrition side of it Um, but something that we leverage a lot is healthy fats like coconut oil and avocados and things like that and legumes and nuts and stuff beans um and we found that those those foods that are low in sugar and high in fat, mm-hmm. uh, we can get into a sort of keto state by intermittent fasting. Cool. And that has helped us out a ton. And honestly, I'm leaner than I've ever been, and I'm eating more fat than I ever have. You yeah, know? I'm in the same boat. So, but also, I'm eating a lot more vegetables and stuff with the farm, mm-hmm. which has been an awesome thing. Uh, so you want to talk about how we keep food and... What types of food we choose to keep? Yeah. Since we're kind of derailing into that anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, I keep food. Uh, I use a cooler, and then I also have dry goods. And then I have a, a, a plastic bin. It's like a it's – it's actually my bear vault. I can keep 
uh, foods in there that maybe small critters would want to be interested in. Yeah. Um, because they will get into your vehicles regardless of how much you lock things up. It's just going to happen. And so it's best to keep those foods away f or, or inaccessible for, for any small animals. Um, and that way, if they come into your vehicle, they realize there's nothing they can get into and they just leave. Yeah. Um, and then, so the cooler, uh, the and storage. Have you noticed any difference between, you have now an Arctic or uh, it's the, it's Arctic? It's the RTIC. Arctic, okay. Yeah, it's the. And how does that compare to the Yeti in your experience? It's about. Because you've had Yetis in the past. Yeah, the, um, the, the ice quality, uh, as far as keeping the ice, it's about the same. Uh, the construction quality is vastly different. Like, the handles on the Arctic and the um, the the actual tote handle that you use to carry it it's just lame it always it always pops out it's not okay. it's not nearly as sturdy as the Yeti um, it's also about twenty to thirty percent heavier I think really uh, yeah and it's much thicker like if you put the Yeti twenty next to the Ar Arctic twenty like or twenty it looks like it could be a thirty five huh. so I think that they ach they achieved the ice uh, retention. retention properties and the cooling properties just by making them so much bigger. Sure. And They're just using cheaper materials and more of them for insulation. Exactly. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. And I mean, it's a, it's a great cooler, you know, it's, it, it keeps ice. I mean, heck the ice I have in there right now, I think it's I'm on like day five. And it's like half the price of the Yeti though, right? Yeah. Um, it's like a hundred and I think it's 119 after tax. Okay. But see, like the Yetis now, they're down to 200 standard, and then Cabela's always has these 50 dollar off coupons, and so you can get one for 150. So it's like, oh. if you like, if had I had 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 that come out, see the reason why I switched from the Yetis to the R the, the RTIC was that I kept on getting the Yetis stolen from camp. Yeah. So I was like, well, I don't want this. This is like a Target for whatever reason. I mean, it's 250 dollar cooler, but for whatever reason, people think it's Target. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to switch to this because it seems like nobody's going to steal the knockoff brand, yeah. <laughs> you know. But had I known now that, you know, you could get them for a $30 difference, I'd yeah. go with the Yeti every day of the week. Okay, yeah. cool. Good j to know. Just because of the construction quality and also, too, the animal proofing. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not bear proof like the Yetis aren't bear proof, but they're but they're pretty close. Bear resistant. They're very bear resistant. <laughs> and like your handles that, that latch the front of your Yeti cooler down the two handles, you compare those to the RTIC, those are those are literally bulletproof. The ones that I have are like rubber bands. I okay. mean, you can easily, and a raccoon can flip it open, and I'm not kidding. Okay. So like, it would take a ton of effort for an animal to get into your Yeti. Yeah, because they'd have to, like, it's a strong enough rubber to where they would have to figure out how to mm -hmm. pull it down. And yeah, now, and see, with the RTIC, it's just literally, I can flick it with one finger and it's off. Okay. Which also sucks too because if that cooler uh, uh, tips over in my truck while I'm four wheeling, it can come open. The shit's gonna go all over the place. That sucks. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so if you didn't infer already, uh, we have a Yeti 20 that we keep the majority of our food in. We also have little baskets, and we have a quite a bit of space dedicated to food and supplements and different like coconut oil we have a giant vat of coconut oil and because <laughs> um, that coconut oil we also use for camp's allergies like when his eyes are itchy and stuff we'll uh -huh. mix it with a little bit of lavender and then put it on his eyes and it's a good like moisturizer too so coconut oil is huge you know it'd be cool with coconut oil i was just thinking i was talking to a friend of mine who made us a, 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 a marijuana salve with coconut oil for, yeah. for his body pains huh. and so he'll take like trim from 
um, just like a hybrid strain or whatever, and use coconut oil. And then the coconut oil, you just rub it on your skin, and it has the THC in it. And said it's a super good pain reliever. Interesting. So that's something we should look into. Yeah. I, I know how to. He told me how to cook it up, and I was like, oh, I, I know how to do that. Cool. Just low settings and stuff like yeah. that with flame. That would be awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we we have a lot of we try to keep a lot of fresh foods, and that's a lot easier in the summer, obviously, but also because we work on the farm. So we get like a box of random veggies every week. And that's helped us a lot to figure out inventive ways to use odd vegetables, you know? Like Romanesco cauliflower we're using <laughs> as like a meat substitute in tacos. Oh, and, cool. And eating kohlrabi like apples. And mm -hmm. I ate a beet like an apple the other day. Just <laughs> they're so good because it's a badass organic farm, you know? So yeah. Everything's super good. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, we eat a lot of fresh stuff in the summer. And then as the winter rolls through, we generally eat a lot more like soups. Mm -hmm. So we'll get um, like Annie's or Amy's soups. The uh, coconut curry one is fire. It's is it? so good. If you get the coconut curry one and get some like fresh mushrooms from the store and maybe like chop up some carrots in it and just like look on the side and see which uh, or like what vegetables are in the soup mm -hmm. and then add in some fresh ones as you cook it, it makes a world of difference. And then even rice, we would make we made rice in the winter a bunch too. I do uh, I do stews like like you said like soups. You know I do yeah. like a I do like a heavy stew with like heavy on the vegetables. Yeah. And what's nice about any, any of those things is you can freeze them. So you know in the wintertime you got to think it's below freezing outside. Right. So all you do is just take your food that you want to freeze, and you can actually kind of mold it into the way that you want. What I would do is I would take the snow outside and I would pack them into like little bowls or the size that I would want, and then I'd put my soups in there that are in heavy-duty Ziploc bags, then I'd freeze them to size, and then I could pack them to size according into my in my uh, cooler. Oh, nice. Yes. And they're working as ice, too, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And then it's cool because it keeps it, everything else in there cooler. So, like, yeah. if you're keeping all of your soups like that, you know, cold together, it's going to stay much longer. We, we'll have to see with the wood-burning stove, but in the winter prior like the couple winters that we've had so far the cooler becomes the heater <laughs> so we keep things from freezing we'll put like i don't know different uh, supplements or sauces or mm -hmm. whatever we're trying to not have freeze yep in the cooler or uh, peanut butter even just to keep it a little warmer yeah i learned that lesson real quick my first winter winter camping over on mount antero in 2015 i uh I remember one morning I woke up and it was after like a really cold night and I went out to my cooler and like everything was frozen but it was frozen in my cooler like my cooler <laughs> had ice and water and like the water oh. froze too so like I couldn't even get to the contents I'm like what am I gonna eat like this, this sucks <laughs> guess I'll just die here yeah you don't think about that you know and, and uh, about your stuff actually freezing inside your cooler but of course it's going to right you know I'm gonna um, pause this real quick so we have one bit recorded Okay, so you want to talk about what meals we yeah. cook most often? Yeah, I, I'm... I, Yours is obviously <clears throat> breakfast burritos. Oh, man, dude, I dial those in. Dude, I think... I know that that works for you, and I know that you exert a lot of effort, mm -hmm. but I think that you should still try... Like, you make coffee every morning. Mm -hmm. Just put, like, coconut oil or grass-fed grass, grass -fed butter in it and just eat that for the morning and see how good you feel. I don't know, man. I, I, I Have you ever tried that? Yeah, I mean, I've done that stuff. Ish. You're yeah. not, no, I want full commitment. <laughs> you, can't, like, you can't, like, sneak in some, 
like, oh, I'll just nibble on this. Because like, then you're, I'll have, then you like, like cookies. And yeah, because then you're like spiking your glucose levels, yeah. and then your body just I, does I, away with the fat anyway. I will say that I do indulge on like you know the sweets a little more than I should. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, pretty I much every day. If you if you uh, like <laughs> practice intermittent fasting though, uh, and yeah. got your body used to powering via fats yeah or at least like leverage or like yeah eating away at the fat deposits that are stored dude i don't have any left that's just it i'm down to like 165 160 right now you got a little bit well well, a little bit (laughs) you know gotta keep a little bit that's you know i don't want to look starved yeah i'm uh i'm probably leaner i well i am like the leanest that i've ever been and i do notice that like i gotta layer up yeah like i don't i get cold yeah, super fast. Because I don't have a bunch of insulation. Yep. I'm so I'm way. curious if I'm just going to have to beef it up over the Dude, winter. That, that's or, honestly why I eat so much in the wintertime. It, it yeah. serves me well. And I think you do burn far more calories in the winter just keeping your body keeping itself warm, you know? I would imagine so, so yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But back to, back to what ahead. I eat, though, uh, you know, I'm, I, I have much more limited space of storing, storing food than what you guys do because – with the scamp, it's great. You've got this this whole shelf system here, which you can utilize to to store stuff. So I try to look at items when I when I go, go shopping, you know, for for my food. I try to look at multi-purpose food. Like, okay, I can cook this with this meal, or I can cook it in this meal, or I can cook it in that. Like, you know, I can do a bunch of different things with the food that I get. So um, in the mornings, I've pretty much been regular about this. Um, <laughs> I don't know, about 20 years, but <laughs> it's like four pieces of organic smoked bacon, um, four eggs, a little bit of organic cheese, a whole avocado, uh, quite a bit of onion diced up, thrown in there, and then some hot sauce. And I'll make breakfast burritos or just like a breakfast bowl out of it. What kind of hot sauce? Uh, d- uh, Cholula. I know. That's the only hot sauce. There's, there's imitations. <laughs> there are flavored sauces, and then there's hot sauce. And I think Cholula. Cholula makes anything taste like breakfast. Oh, man, it does. It's just, it, I don't know why. I think growing up in Kansas, like, we had that every morning yeah. in Cholula. It was great. But um, So that's what I do for breakfast. And I found that I, that I can eat that and and power on through the day. And but it's true. It's it's interesting. Like if I'm missing the avocado or something like that, I can tell. Like I don't have those fats in my system. Yeah, you know. I think too, if you ate that same thing, uh-huh. but skipped out on the carbs. Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't have a tortilla. Yeah, which happens a lot. Yeah, I'd say like half of my breakfasts are without tortillas. Then I feel like you would be. Like you would have more sustained energy mm-hmm. rather than getting that glucose spike, and then you like start to feel hungry before your body transitions into using the fats. Yeah, well, I start to feel hungry about so I'll I'll eat that in the morning around eight a.m. Uh-huh. and I'll start to feel hungry around four p.m. Okay, so I can go, and that's with a full day of like hiking and like doing life. yeah doing stuff yeah. yeah, and usually like if I do have any sort of snack throughout the day, it's just fruit. Like, yeah. uh, like I always carry apples. I love honey crisp apples. So yeah. I'll just eat the I'll eat those all day long, man. So I'll have that. Uh, but typically I don't even snack during the day. I just wait until um, to have dinner in the evening. And then in the evening, you know, I'll try to eat like medium-ish to light-ish because I don't want to eat super heavy. Yeah. Going into to sleep. But what I will do is I'll have like um, I've been doing lots of salads lately because of the anti-inflammation properties of of uh, leafy mm-hmm. vegetables. And then I'll throw in like apples with it too, because apples have that anti-inflammation stuff, mm-hmm. and that's that's helping out with my back. 
Um, cool. With all the issues I've been having, turmeric is good too. Yeah, I've got I've got actually got like cayenne and turmeric. Yeah, I've got a I've got a turmeric um, supplement that I take that has black pepper in it for the delivery. Nice. So that's that that's good too, and um, you know for those who aren't aren't aware, my lower back is to the point to where I'm gonna have to make some decisions with my future. Like um, I don't think I can do trail work long term. Um, it's just not sustainable. It's too hard on my body. And also, too, I was doing, like, landscaping jobs to kind of help fill the void with some of the budget um, needs that I have. But I don't think I'm going to do that anymore either because it's kind of productive. I'm, like, shot yeah. the next day. So I'm just going to focus 100% on just doing this stuff. And Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good call. Yeah. But anyway, but back to back to the, the foods, though. Um, so in the evening, I'll, I'll do, like, a maybe, like I said, like a salad um, with some... Uh, uh, apples and maybe some chicken in there because you can buy like those chickens that are like the six or seven dollar chickens from the grocery store <laughs> chicken eggs what's that are you talking about chicken meat or eggs no, 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 the no, meat? like the meat okay. like those okay. like those full chickens <laughs> you're you know? just saying chickens oh uh, yeah so like so yeah it's like the little chickens that are like this you know you know yeah. what i mean like in the bag like you, a rotisserie yeah like the rotisserie one and then you, then you just debone it and you have all that great awesome you know, chicken yeah. meat that you can throw on like salads or into sandwiches or whatever it is sure. you want. Uh, I've been. How I, do you keep like part of the reason that we eat very little meat is because it is hard to keep. Yeah, and so, we don't like often buy ice for our cooler or anything. See, that's the thing is like I'm always carrying ice. Yeah. So, so I know you guys have like that vapor system you use for yeah. your stuff to keep things cool, but I don't know if that'd be effective for like meats. For because, me, I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. So it, just to but, dive into that quick, how that works. Uh huh. Uh, the evaporative cooling, it's the same principles that comp or swamp coolers use. So if you get a towel and you're in a relatively arid environment and you get your towel wet and you put it over the top of the cooler and um, like we'll often blow a fan over it just to get like more airflow, uh -huh. then the cold air from that evaporation falls into the cooler. So it actually keeps the cooler really cold. What would you say it gets down to? Uh, I, it's so variable, but it's significantly cooler than it would be if we didn't use that method. Would you say it's a 20, 20 degree change from the out, outdoor temps? Yeah, okay. I'd say at least. You know? Okay, that's good. Because in Arizona, in dry climates, it works even better because there's not as much moisture in the air. Right, so the evaporative really goes Right, down. so a lot of water gets pulled off of it. Cool. So in like Sedona, for example, when we were running our little fan over the top of the cooler, um, it was keeping our beer cold and everything, you know? Wow, yeah. that's really awesome. Well, and it's not like ice cold, but... You yeah, know. well, you know, in the wintertime, you'll be able to keep anything that you want yeah really and you, we don't have to worry about bears right that, that's another thing you can't like with vegetables or whatever in our cooler um just whole vegetables we can even leave that cooler outside yeah, and yeah. leave it like evaporatively cooling mm -hmm. um overnight if we need to because there's no meat or anything in it yeah whereas i if, would not even come close to doing that with any sort of meat no. within like 10 minutes after you shut your right. stamp door you'd have visitors but like no animals <laughs> it seems really care about some tomatoes and yeah. you know, like they smell a bunch of like, yep, nope. Charred and <laughs> if it's not if it's not if it's not berries or fish, I ain't eating it, you yeah, know. <laughs> for real. So another thing I've been doing too though is I'll I'll get fish, you know, if I'm out fishing. Yeah. And say that I haven't been to the grocery store in some time and if I'm running low on supplies for food. Then one of my favorite meals to do is to actually get a fish, bake it in a tinfoil pack. Uh-huh. And we're talking trout. Yeah. And I typically, if I if I have my preference, I I prefer brook trout. They just, I don't know, they just taste a little different. I feel like they're more reliably wild. Yeah, 
you know? Yeah, like, they, don't, they don't farm those, really. Right. So, so a lot of the rainbows and stuff that you catch are, like, kind of flabby and gross. Yeah, it's like a gray meat. It's yeah. really, it's genetically screwed up. Yeah. Whereas... But I've had some browns uh-huh. that were, like, oh, well, I've had a couple browns that were delicious. Yeah. And the meat is almost more, like, salmon-like, like, fibrous. It's yep. not gooey. Like you can the, see the striations in the meat. Right. It's real close together as opposed to the other ones are real far apart. And, yeah. And, and then it looked, and there's lots of, like, white striations to the meat, which I, which is strange. But what I'll do is I'll go and get uh, either a cutthroat or a brook trout, and those are typically wild, you know, so you don't have to worry about any... Uh, Weirdness. Fl- yeah, weird weird genetic makeup. And then I'll, I'll know, I know where to harvest some wild asparagus. And it actually grows in a lot of the ditches around here. It's, it's wild. Really? Yeah. And then you harvest wild asparagus, and then I'll pair that with, like, some potatoes that I'll get from the store. And that's, that's like, the best meal. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll take the potatoes and the asparagus and kind of I'll, I'll brown the potatoes up, kind of sl- dice them, like, into little medallions, you know, slice them into little medallions. Dite, get those all browned up and then throw the asparagus in there and get that kind of co- cooked a little as well. And then I'll take the trout and I'll put it in a foil pack and I'll stuff the inside of the trout with honey and lemon. And then I'll uh, put a light glaze of cooking oil all over the entire trout, including the outside of it, and then put it in that foil pack where you take aluminum foil and you want to double wrap it because one one barrier of aluminum foil, like heavy-duty aluminum foil, doesn't create enough um, uh, barrier from the, the coals, and you'll actually burn your fish. Yeah. So if you do it twice, then you're set. And then you put it on there for like 25 minutes on hot coals, and it's usually done. Cool. And that's the best. You you undo that foil pack, and you're like, holy cow, like this smells incredible. Yeah. And then any any meal like that to where you've got, you know, full-on organic meat from like right there. Yeah. And then organic asparagus from right there from your, you know, your, your own backyard. And then some potatoes that are organic too. I mean... Like, talk about the most environmentally friendly way to get your meals. Yeah. And probably the best uh, protein and, and right. you know, con- vitamin content for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll eat that, and, I'll, and I, you literally feel like Superman. You can feel it, like, like the goodness coursing through your, yeah. through your veins. I think there's, like, a karmic level to that, too. Yeah. Like, you feel good about getting your own fish mm-hmm. and like it's like a, it's like if you build your own house you know, yeah yeah you're, in a you're, micro scale yeah I, I didn't i didn't just exchange money for it like i went out there and i got it right i chose earned it. yeah i chose that one out of, out of the fish that i caught that day yeah that i released you know there's i decided to keep this specific one for meal and then i feel like i feel sad that i have to kill a fish like i don't yeah. think I, anybody that enjoys it i think is probably kind of messed up in the head yeah but it's like I, I say a little like like hey thanks for this and sorry buddy you know I'm yeah you know, you're going to good use and then uh, then do the deed yeah so um, one of the most common meals or not I don't know if it's one of the most common but one of the most enjoyable that we eat real very often is spring rolls oh and dude you guys blow those up those are so it, they're good. so good God. so it's a piece of it's like a rice paper tortilla. It like it's not at all a tortilla, but it's like a <laughs> circular shape that you use, kind of like a tortilla. Um, and then we use rice noodles, cucumber, like sliced up real thin, carrot sliced up real thin, and then whatever other vegetables kind of make sense. And then sometimes we'll get like those mini salad shrimp, put those in there. It's really good. Too. Um, and what, what sort of sauce is it? That so you that make? yeah, the sauce is what makes it. So it's that garlic sriracha sauce uh, okay. that comes in like the little cylindrical tube, you know. Okay, yeah, that's um, phenomenal. And then you mix that with peanut butter and a little bit of soy sauce, 
And there you go. But we've been using um, coconut aminos instead of soy sauce mm -hmm. um, because uh, the soy has been like jacking with Elsa's hormones. Um, so we're trying not to like do as much soy. Yeah. Um, so those spring rolls are fire though. Dude, those things are amazing. And probably the most common thing that um, I eat, and I try to intermittently fast every day. So I don't eat breakfast intentionally because I don't want to break my fast, you know? Um, Sorry, that, that's the that's <laughs> I drink <drinking> water. <laughs> uh, so I'll normally try to limit any glucose intake. Like I won't even eat fruit or anything really in the morning until later in the afternoon or that's whenever good, I decide like, okay, I'm going to eat now. That's a good idea. Because then I can run on um, whatever ketones my body has and fats until later in the day. Yeah. Okay, Sierra. Another thing that I'll eat or that I eat regularly. <laughs> I'm going to take that away from her. <laughs> another thing that I eat pretty regularly is um, peanut butter and honey. Oh, and yeah. I used to eat jelly back in the day, but it's it, honey keeps forever, mm -hmm. and you don't have to refrigerate it or anything. It just won't go bad. Yeah. I learned that in a video game. Oh, did you? <laughs> and don't starve. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Because you could keep your honey out, and I was like, why don't you have to refrigerate that? But I, I do have to give a, sh a shout out to a, a local gal here that makes the best jam on the planet, to uh, Larkin, who uh, he, she and Tom, they own the lettuce head here in town. Yeah. She makes the most bomb choke cherry jam. And that's wild harvested, right? Yeah, it's all wild harvested. I guess with those choke cherries, there's only like a week window when you can harvest them. Hmm. So that the flavors get but man, dude. You gotta come over for some of that. So so on my peebs, <laughs> peanut butter and honey, Dave's bread, because it's the best bread. Dave's bread's so good. Oh yeah. And really, like, um, I would like to not eat the carbs that are in the bread. Um, just because then I could like more reliably be on uh, running on fats, mm -hmm. uh, but there's I haven't found a good carrier for the other calories. Yeah, like I'm not just gonna eat peanut butter and honey off a plate, you know. Yeah. So I need to. I don't know. But well, the only thing about days I notice is they they got a lot of sugar in there. Yeah. But it do. tastes so good. Yeah. So it's, it's so like, good. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's minimal. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so Dave's bread, some peanut butter, and I try not to get palm oil in the peanut butter because that stuff's like pretty gnarly to harvest a lot of times and then um we'll put like uh flaxseed i'll put flaxseed on the peanut butter and um oftentimes chia seeds and then like if we have sunflower seeds mm -hmm. and if we have uh almond butter i'll just like put all that stuff on there um and it's pretty delicious yeah. and then i feel like that powers me for quite a while because it's a good chunk of calories yeah you know it's it's kind of interesting living like this because i i used to look at food as more of like a hey what do i what do i want today like what mm -hmm. what's going to taste good and now i look at it as like components i'm like okay well this will provide this this level of energy that i need or this will provide this level of fat or whatever it may be so i look at it more as a tool yeah um which i never used to look at food as like that right and then you look at the the tools that you need so which will formulate how you put together your diet and my diet's changing right now because i'm going to more of an anti-inflammation diet and getting away from some of the foods that used to cause a little bit of inflammation just to, just to help out with my back and my mm -hmm. knee but um but it's like you know once you figure out which tools you need and what you need to pull from that food then you can figure out which foods fit that then you can put together a, a diet that's it's actually tastes really good you know, it's just different than what you've done in the past. Right. So it's kind of fun because being out here, it's like 
you know, talking with you guys and talking with different people, it's like, hey, have you tried these foods? Or, hey, have you tried that food? And it's it's kind of like a collective um, uh, case study yeah. in, in what it takes to be out here. Because it, 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 it does require different nutrition than, than the normal, totally. average, everyday life. Well, and we only, we have certain foods available given the situation, like since we don't have a fridge. Yeah, or a freezer. You yeah. know, like there's lots of people that say, you know, I, people ask me all the time, do you hunt? And I'm like, well, no, I fish because I don't have anywhere to store half a deer. Right. You know? Yeah, that's something that I would like to absolutely get into in the next few years is taking a deer once a year. Yeah, I what I would like to do is figure out where we can maybe rent a meat locker. Hmm. You know, or or a meat storage place, and then yeah. we could we could collectively, if we all went out on a hunt or something like that, if we harvested something, we could say, hey, then our we could all store our stuff in there. Yeah, because that's that that's the only drawback, or the only reason why I haven't begun to hunt up to this point is I just don't have the space. Right. But it'd be great. I feel like that's the most environmentally friendly way to get your food. Yeah, if you're gonna eat meat, then yep. that's the way to do it. And it's also, you know, the most pure. I mean, you get back in there and say you get an elk or something, yeah. I mean, good lord, you're not gonna find a, a, a purer meat. And you, I think they said something like, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he was talking about the protein content and I think there's something like an elk uh, or maybe it was black bear but it was a small portion of meat, but it had like three times the amount of protein that another cut would that was like raised on a commercial farm. Interesting. Yeah. So, and, and it was, I think it, I, I think it was elk. I think he was talking yeah. about, he's been on an elk kick lately because yeah. it's elk season. But it's like, you know, you think about that and it's like, okay, well, if that gives you three times the amount of protein, well, you don't have to eat as much. And what's even more important is what's not in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No kidding. There's no, there's literally zero human influence right you know well or, well there well, there's, is there's, a tiny bit. there's yeah there's plenty yeah. but it's far less than you would get in like it's, a farm it's probably not a measurable amount i just heard the other day too that um in the states it's illegal to sell um wild harvested meat yeah that's wild so like if you um get a elk burger at a restaurant or venison or whatever, that's all 100% farmed. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. No. That's crazy. All right. You want to, let's pause it quick and jump back in and we'll talk about the different systems that we use to cook. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. So cooking systems. I want to talk about the three systems that I have that I carry in my truck. It goes from super basic to um, elaborate and... The basic one, I'll start out with that. It's just basically just my backpacking stove. I use a Pocket Rocket 2 with uh, any sort of fuel canister, whether it's small or large, to uh, take backpacking. You're really limited with that because the stove itself can only can only support a certain amount of weight, so you can't put a ton of food on it to cook, nor can you put a large canister on there to cook either. So I think that... Um, <clears throat> You know, the backpacking stove is basically just for like warming up soups, warming up water to put into dehydrated meals. I can do a little tiny skillet on top of it, but man, it's... it's we use ours for like tea and coffee a lot. Yeah. Just to boil water easily. Yeah, because in that way it's easy to get out because it's a tiny stove and so you can set it up in nothing flat. It's not a big production like yeah. like some of the, the flip open stoves, like briefcase stoves. Which takes me to my next cooking... Um, set up and that's an actual coleman stove it's a two burner stove i got a smaller one just so that it's a little bit more nimble i used to have the coleman triton which is literally a bulletproof stove 
but it was a little big for my needs because it's just me and I'm usually not using two burners to cook in the morning uh, or at evening uh, unless I have people visiting camp then of course I'll I'll, I'll use that but I've, I've found that like one one burner is enough for me um, it's just the backpacking stove can't support enough weight so that's why I use the Coleman two burner stove and then the third solution that I have for cooking and this one is where you can like bake stuff and you can get real fancy it's where I do all my cinnamon rolls and cookies and everything and that's with the Dutch oven so it's cast iron skillet cooking and that's that's really it takes a while to to get to get familiar with it but it's really a great way to cook. and you're cooking with that on the fire yep right? on yep the fire. on the fire or over the stove because when i have the wood stove going in the winter time that's my primary way of cooking is yep. I'll, I'll i'll do stuff in there i want to try the, the ribs recipe i was telling you about yeah that i found online this winter i'm going to try that out and i'll be sure to record that and post a video up of how that turns out but uh, you can bake anything on the planet in there. And you can also, like, it's perfect for heating things back up. Um, I would go down to Moonlight Pizza last winter in Salida, and that's that organic, all-organic pizza place, bomber pizza. Then I come back with, like, a slice or two, and you could just throw it in the, the, the Dutch oven, and boom, it gets it right up like it's been in an oven. You yeah. know? And the only thing is, is you got to be really mindful of the temperatures because you can't get it too hot. If you do, like when we were cooking our cookies last, last, you know, they just become like super, they become like... The outside cooks a bunch and there's no heat on the inside. Yeah, or or they get so flat they don't rise, you know, and that's just, it's just too hot. Yeah. So you, you, you learn how to cook on that. It takes, it takes a while. It's not like you're just going to pick it up and one day you're going to be a pro at cast iron cooking, but the cast iron cooking is tons of fun because that's, that's the most interactive cooking I think there is. Yeah. So that, th- those are my three ways of cooking. So for our systems, the primary cooking system that we've used, um, up until a few months ago is the BioLite, the camp stove. Oh two. yeah. I use that as well. So I guess it's, there's um, and we cooked everything on that until the fire ban was so long that we couldn't not get a propane stove. So, um, the BioLite is awesome and you can push it really far. And we kind of did it just to see how long we could just use that and just use wood as our fuel source. And you guys were cooking some killer meals. Yeah. Yeah. Like we weren't struggling at all. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a cool practice to have to build a little fire every time you cook, you know, cause it's not just kick on the propane and you're rocking, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it makes you actually have to make the decision to want to cook. So we use that and that was our primary power source when we first started doing this. Really? Yeah. That was it? Well, that was what was making the power to like charge up our iPads and our phones and stuff. Wow. That's, and, and headlamps and that's lights impressive and all that, that you were doing shit. all that off that. Yeah. Um, you got to be pretty diligent then, I'd imagine, about Yeah, coaching. we did. And we were making a lot of tea just to like make power. Dave, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want some coffee? Because I got Tenth fire cup going. today. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, cool. they work great. And then now, and then we had a, or we still have a pocket rocket, uh, the MSR, like you were talking about. Uh-huh. And when we just had the BioLite before we got our propane stove, we would um, make, if we were going to make tea or coffee, like in the morning, uh, just so we wouldn't have to build a fire, it was easy. Anything that we were going to boil water for, we would just use that. But we were eating through a decent amount of um, isobutane or whatever it is, iso mm-hmm. alcohol. I don't know. Um, so we decided to get a propane stove, and that coincided with the forever fire ban that was this summer. Yeah. Um, so we couldn't legally use the BioLite. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just went ahead and got a Coleman. I think it is. I don't know if it's the Triton series. It's yeah, all black. It is. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's excellent. It's honestly, I would rather have the smaller 
setup that you have oh. just so that it packs down smaller yeah um it's but pretty nice because that, that stove that i have is literally like about half the size of the triton yeah but it's still still too burnt burn. yeah and it still pumps out the btus so. yeah um but i know like when we had a bunch of friends out and stuff it was nice to have like a full range like full size for yeah. people to cook whatever they're used to and stuff so it's great um and it doesn't use a bunch of propane we have it's that a, little it, propane can and it it is surprising in. how how little it uses yeah you could cook for an hour yeah and you're like did i use dude you propane? should get a re refillable propane can yeah too. i think i should that's a really nice thing just one of the little squatty like five pound ones or whatever i think ours is 10 it? it's did, did pretty you get that over at the hardware store uh no we bought it off a friend because they're so the the full size propane cans and i'm sorry i don't know it's like 35 is it 35 pounds is that how you measure it i think no i'm sorry i think it's 15 pounds okay i think maybe 15 or 35 <laughs> i don't, I like I don't you're know just throwing out it's funny he's like because like i was talking to some friends and they're like they were talking about this is related to, to, to this propane thing, but they were talking about big game hunting. I'm like, yeah, when they go out and kill like those blue rhinos, they're like, no, Brian, that's actually the propane company. Uh -huh. like, all, all, all the ones that you see at the grocery store, it's blue rhino propane. I'm uh -huh. like, oh, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> so anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, we don't have a full-size like grill propane tank. It's um, more cylindrical and smaller, and it's a lot easier to handle. But the thing is, with those smaller tanks... Um, they're far more expensive because I guess the bigger ones are mass produced or whatever. Uh, so if you were going to get a little five gallon tank, it would be like double the cost of the big ass gas one. Oh, really? Yeah. So I guess once you own it, though, it's cool. Yeah, and it's like a $60 investment for the rest of forever. And that's you know? good because then you're not constantly putting canisters into the. Right into the landfill right because you got to think like those things aren't recyclable and they just keep stacking up right so i kind of feel like a, a douche canoe when you right but those are refillable too but they don't yeah like, but have systems for it and it's yeah and it's kind of weird you have to take a 35 or the, the big ones yeah 15 or 35 i don't know what they are uh put the little thing on it and then flip put, it. put it and then flip it and then see if it goes and it doesn't always go yeah you would think somebody would it's make... It's wonky. Yeah. Well, I think, like, Coleman and the like are making too much money off those little guys, and probably. they probably don't want to Yeah, because they're, that. like, four or five bucks per little canister, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. So, refillable propane tank is a good thing, and then you can just get this, uh, like, rubber hose that comes off of it, and then you can use it with any propane thing that would generally use like the green cans. For instance, the uh, Little Buddy stoves or the Mr. Buddies, all those types of deals. Um... So, yeah, that's our cooking systems. You guys also cook over the fire, though. Yeah, sometimes. But we honestly, much. we don't make fires a bunch because we generally go to bed, like, with the sun or try to. Yeah. You know, so then we can, like, be up early and rocking. I think this winter, when you guys have your cubic mini in here that's yeah. with the stove and stuff. We'll I mean, use that. I think you'll find that you'll cook a lot more. The one thing you want to be I think almost exclusively, really. Yeah, the one thing you want to be mindful of, though, I mean, like, you know how I am with bacon. I eat bacon all the time. Um, the, the oil will pop all over the place. So like when I'm winter camping, you know, when I'm, when I'm cooking the bacon over the stove, I mean, shit's going everywhere. So it, that does create uh, sense. So just, you can either get like, there's like those little net, those little mesh things you can put over the top of your skillet. And if things pop up, it kind of catches it. It's kind of like a sparky rester for flames. Yeah. And that really helps to cut down. I'd say like 95% of it. Okay. So that's. That, that you could use that but just adds up so like but you'll probably have like a heat shield i would imagine will, and you yeah. can just clean that heat shield and then just be mindful of any place around it yeah you know just it's we'll just probably not up. be cooking as much bacon as you generally probably cook. not I, <laughs> but I, I, it, we will cook plenty of bacon I'm I, sure. I go through like four to five pieces a day 
So how do you, so you just pull out of that pack and then do you like Ziploc it or uh -huh. something? Yeah, I've got like those. So I've got like the plastic bags of the zippers on the top. Okay. And that way the water doesn't get in there if yeah. the ice starts to dissipate. Okay. So, um, so how long will a pack of bacon last you? Oh, like three days. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But, uh, but I wonder if that's like your primary expense. It, pro it probably is. I mean, that, that's not cheap, man. That, that's <laughs> like good bacon is expensive. Yeah, it's like twelve bucks a pound yeah. for, for the real good stuff. But, yeah. but that stuff that's like been really specialty smoked and things of that nature. Sure. The stuff that I get from the lettuce head, I think it's like eight, eight bucks for the deal. And that's it's like nine or, nine or ten ounces, so it's not a full pound, but it's super good. It's from an all organic farm that's down in like. Some weird town in southern Colorado. I don't even, I've yeah. never even been there. I cool. don't even know how to pronounce the name. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, is that pretty much? Yeah, I think that for pretty much covers for it now. for cooking. And I, then if if we didn't go into enough in enough depth on um, certain things, let us know, and we'll cover your specific cooking questions in the next round. Yeah, and then if you have any other ideas for podcasts, uh, people hit us up and provide suggestions, and we'd love to hear from you. So. Uh, shoot me an email at my email is brian at coloradobackcountryadventures.com and then for me you can just go through my website it's normal the number two nomad.com you can just fill out the message or comment or yeah and actually you, you know what i've got it. that on our uh, actually on the i've got that on my website too so cool. if you want to go there it's coloradobackcountryadventures.com um, or you can just email me and yeah the, either way is great yeah the contact form on there that goes that gets to me too so yeah Right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah, and thanks for sticking with us. We've uh, we've really been having fun doing the podcast and watching the audience grow. So we're uh, we're stoked to bring you more content. Right on. All right, have a good day. Peace.